Hello, med students. My name is Zach Olson, and thank you for downloading this week's episode of the EM Clerkship Podcast. I am all fired up this week, ready to do some teaching. Here's this week's case. University Medical is Samuel's 21 ID copy. Okay, uh, I got a 23-year-old male uh, coming from the soccer field, complaining of wheezing, does have a history of asthma, is not currently on medication, does carry on a, an inhaler for exercise-induced uh, uh, asthma, but it doesn't have it on him today. We do have him on an uh, uh, albuterol 2.5 via NEB, and uh, he did show improvement. Uh, currently, he is BP1, 40 over 80, pulse of 96, respirations are currently 16, and glucose was 110. We're in route to about 10 minutes. Uh, no other complaints. Do you have any questions or orders? Okay, thanks. This week, we are talking about COPD and asthma exacerbations, two of the most common diagnoses you will be making in the emergency department. You will see this on your clerkship, and the focus today is going to be on the treatment of these COPD and asthma exacerbations. There's not a lot of diagnostic talk that we need to do. It's a clinical diagnosis in a patient with expiratory difficulty, wheezing, and a history of the disease. We see it all the time. And what you really need to understand about both COPD and asthma is that they are both an inflammatory irritation of the airways, which causes spasm. That's the pathophysiology, inflammation and spasm. And the reason this is so important is that your 10 treatments that we're going to talk about today are each targeted at either the inflammation or that spasm. You heard me right. 10 treatments today. Let's go. Starting with the core three that you give both in asthma and in COPD. First, albuterol nebulizer. This is a beta agonist that decreases spasm. That's the initial treatment every time, albuterol. So that one was easy. Second, iprotropium. This is an anticholinergic that also decreases spasm. We typically give this along with the nebulized albuterol. And when we do, it's called duonebs. It's the duo of albuterol and ipratropium. Not only, though, is ipratropium an inhaled anti-airway spasm medicine like albuterol, but they also work synergistically to relieve spasm also. A one plus one equals three type of thing. That's inhaled iprotropium. Third, systemic steroids. This is our core anti-inflammatory medicine that we use in both COPD and asthma. Remember, we need to solve both the inflammatory response and that spasm. And we already addressed the spasm with the inhaled albuterol and iprotropium. So now we need to give a good steroid. A good one to remember is something like prednisone, but you can look up the dosing. Those are your core three treatments in pretty much all COPD and asthma flares. Inhaled albuterol, ipratropium, and systemic steroids by mouth or IV or whatever. It doesn't really matter. Steroids. 
treatments four and five are two special treatments that you add for most COPD flares. So you add these on to the previous three for COPD. So four is BiPAP. Now we usually think of BiPAP as an intervention we do in patients with really bad respiratory distress. But you can give it even more often than that in COPD. Think of it as mechanically propping open that spasm. It's been shown to decrease length of hospitalization, decrease rate of intubation, and in some cases even mortality in patients with COPD. The benefits are absolutely most noticeable in severe COPD exacerbations, but they are still there a little bit in moderate and then kind of dwindle to nothing in these weak little COPD flares. But BiPAP is a core COPD treatment option. Five is antibiotics. This hits that inflammation component again. In these older COPD patients, unlike an asthma, it is frequently infection that causes the disease flare if there's no other obvious trigger, like smoking or moving boxes around an attic or something. So in any patient with anything more than a mild COPD flare, it's usually a good idea to add antibiotics early, especially if there's no clear irritant trigger. So that's our core five treatments, inhaled albuterol, inhaled ipratropium, systemic steroids, and then in COPD specifically, BiPAP and antibiotics. Now, after you rock your presentation with those in your plan, your attending is going to be impressed and they're going to test you and they're going to ask, okay, but what if those don't work? Well, I'm about to give you five more treatments that you can rattle off, which will make your attendings jaw drop, and they will be so excited to give you a good slow. So let's go through five more additional therapies that you can try. Treatment number six, magnesium sulfate, IV, is a very safe medicine. That again, decreases spasm. Remember in our preeclampsia episode way back when we gave this and we looked for the decreased reflexes as a sign of toxicity? It's because it relaxes stuff and it decreases spasm. So you give magnesium sulfate to decrease spasm. It's very safe medicine. Next is ketamine. Everybody loves ketamine. It kind of helps the patient calm down, and again, it decreases spasm. Another one is epinephrine, IV. This is our systemic beta agonist this time. When our inhaled beta agonist albuterol isn't cutting it, you can give systemic beta agonist epinephrine. Heliox. Once you get down to this point, Heliox, you're really kind of grasping at straws, as they say. It works really well in upper airway issues like croup, typically, where we give it all the time. But in lower airway asthma and COPD, it's barely useful at best. And then your last resort is intubation. Always after you've ran the rest of this list because vent settings in asthma and COPD are a nightmare. These patients will pop pneumothoraces and you basically have to give them this really slow respiratory rate. And here's a hot phrase. You have to allow permissive hypercapnia. You gotta leave that patient a lot of time to exhale out. Those are your 10 treatments, inhaled albuterol, inhaled ipratropium, systemic steroids, those are for asthma and COPD, for COPD, 
BiPAP, and antibiotics. Those are your core five. And then if you're going to do the whole kitchen sink algorithm, you can add magnesium sulfate, ketamine, epinephrine, that systemic beta agonist, heliox, and worst case scenario, intubation. That wraps up this episode. One last pimp question you might get asked about is blood gas results in asthma, specifically the CO2, because patients who are still doing okay with their flare have a respiratory alkalosis, it's called. They are rapidly breathing off all of that CO2 in their respiratory distress, and so the CO2 gets really low. That's a good thing. When the patient is about to crump and die and run out of energy and quit breathing and living, they slow down their respiratory rate and that CO2 goes back to normal, which is 40, and that's bad. Just keep that in the back of your head. Your attendings will want you to remember that. If you found this podcast helpful, please tell other friends about the podcast. And until next time, keep working hard, keep studying, and be sure to enjoy your shift.